It's the Early Access Podcast, episode 53, August 31st, 2021. I'm Yost Nigam Shampoo, and we have Kuehler back. We were missing her for exactly one episode, and I absolutely need the help back because last episode, I forgot to unmute the microphone on the Twitch stream. Also, to accommodate Kuehler coming back, we're actually doing the show now, Tuesdays at 4 p.m. PT. Uh, Kuehler, what time is that for you? Close to midnight? It is one twenty-six in the morning. One twenty-six. Which it'll normally be. It'll normally be one a.m. Yeah, you're up time. Uh, we had to start a little bit later. We came a little late because we're setting up. Yes. Yeah. But four p.m. PT. Twitch.tv slash That's our new time. Tune in because uh, Kuehler did move out to Europe. We had a couple things to talk about today uh, with my personal life. Once again, we start off the show kind of hot last week, and we're gonna drop another bomb on you here at the start of the show. I have to correct myself on a couple things from last week, too, because right after I recorded last week's episode, OnlyFans reverted their decision to get rid of people fucking on the platform. And we got some other things to talk about with uh, gaming. But first off, I dropped a massive bomb on you guys last week. Uh, I started talking about and opened up to people about how my girlfriend ended up cheating on me. It was horrific for my mental health. I was not doing too great for a couple of weeks. Really tried to turn that around, start working out. You know, you take the L, you move forward. And you try to recover. And I think I've been doing that pretty well. So that was one massive L I took this year. I took another massive L last week. And actually, the reason we brought back the Early Access podcast last week without Kuehler is anticipation for this next piece of sad news. And that is, I lost my job last week. And it's a very public thing now. Uh, Like, Kuehler even saw the tweet of them saying goodbye to me. But it was uh, very unfortunate. They said, we'll miss you. Yeah. We'll miss you. Which is... Yeah, okay. So, I actually know who wrote that tweet. Um, It's, of course, the new person who currently has some of the tasks that I did. But what happened was uh, they had to cut a bunch of people out of the company. I left on super good terms with everyone. I actually love all my coworkers. A A couple of them reached out specifically to say goodbye to me. And I actually want to stop and thank everyone. Uh, who reached out because tons of people saw the news on Twitter and reached out to me in the DMs like, yo, man, what are you doing next? Friends, people I've worked with. I had a very public position at Live, which was the last company I worked at. I worked with a lot with creators and game development partners. Some of the game developers reached out to me and said, yo, thank you for helping us out. Like, thank you for advocating for us. Bunch of creators slid into my DMs and even tweeted back, thank you. That was super fulfilling. Uh, I had a ton of friends just, you know, checking in on me, making sure I'm doing well. You know, there's everywhere from, you know, me telling people and they said, oh man, that sucks to people actually sitting down and having a conversation with me and trying to figure out what I'm doing next. So tons of people reached out. I love the outpouring of support, especially because I had such a public position. One of my favorite things about having worked at a startup is, of course, impacting your job. In a, in a large way. It's like playing a, a small 4v4 team game versus playing Battlefield where it's 32v32. Like one person in a 64v64 Battlefield game doesn't really change the flow of the battle much where in 4v4 or at a startup where there's so few people, you have such a, a huge impact on the product and whoever you're working with. And so to see all those people come out afterwards and give me a pat on the back, I I really respect and appreciate that. So thank you to everyone who did that. And I loved working at a startup for that reason. Of course, working at a startup also comes with the lack of ability to uh, have job security. But I have a couple things planned. I haven't actually really taken a vacation since before I joined Live two years ago. Kuehler and I actually went to Japan, and that was the last actual vacation I had. 
Other vacations included me working while I was there. I've gone to Colorado, I've gone to Oregon, but it was mostly over the pandemic. I was supposed to go to Amsterdam. That was one of my perks at working there, but did not do that because of the pandemic. So I really haven't taken time to sit back and improve myself and improve like my skills and all that and just to relax. So I've been doing that a little bit more lately along with working out. Uh, the thing is with this particular L is it it was a little bit more anticipated than, than me being uh, cheated on, which doesn't feel good. And it was a respectable breakup, definitely for sure. And it, I wasn't let go due to performance reasons or anything like that uh, to my future employer. So I really hope that they do well in the future. I have a couple ideas of what I what I want to do next lined up. And one of those I told Kuehler privately, who, by the way, we said at the start of the show, Kuehler lives in Europe. I might move to Europe. And when I've spoken to Kuehler and a lot of my other friends in my DMs about going there, uh, people raise a lot of concerns. A, of course, leaving your entire family, or whether I go to Europe, Canada, I go to Vancouver, Japan and teach English, I don't know. But with uh, moving to Europe in particular, or anywhere else in the world, people have been telling me, oh, you got to watch out for the high housing prices, you know, if you move to a big city like Vancouver or New York or London. And my response is, I live outside of San Francisco. It can't get any worse. I pay more in rent living at home than Kuehler does. Kuehler, I don't know if where you live specifically is is public information, but I, I live within within Paris right now, so it's it's within the city, not even like outside the city. You live in Paris, and no, you pay. I'm not in the middle. I'm not in the middle. It's in the tenth tenth district, if people know what that is. So, Kuehler lives in Paris in a apartment and you pay less than I do living at home. I am not concerned about the housing prices anywhere. California doesn't, doesn't get worse than this. I, I, I just not, I don't care. It can't get worse. Uh, the other big concern is someone told me that there are a lot of stabbings in a couple other places that I named that I wanted to move, but we have guns here. So that's not that much worse. There was actually cooler after you left a massive shooting in San Jose, about 30 minutes from where I live. Uh, it was the VTA shooting where an employee of the train system Oh, I knew there, about it. Yeah. An employee of VTA went around and I think targeted and shot a bunch of their coworkers and people. Uh, I forget what the total death count was, but it was pretty bad. That was a day that I was going to go to San Jose. I, I wouldn't have been in the area, but I saw the news, called up my friends and were like, we're not going today, guys. Let's go ahead and uh, sit this one out. So stabbings, I mean, how many people can you stab versus how many people you can shoot? I feel like, so surviving a pistol shot is actually decently likely as long as you don't get like shot point blank in the back of the head, right? At that point, you, it's comparable to a stabbing. But I feel like- Depends. If I had to get shot by a pistol 30 feet away, I would rather take that than get stabbed because I feel like they hit you with one stab and if they want to go in, they just, they just go in on you. Like you're done. They'll get one guy, but they'll get them real good. Now, if it was an assault rifle versus a stabbing, I think I take the stabbing because I'm likely faster. There's a lot of factors of whether or not he's going to like Assassin's Creed hidden blade my ass or if I get to like, you know, try to dodge a little bit or run away, but stabbings, I mean, stabbings and housing prices not a concern to a Californian. So, go ahead, Yeah, and, and the thing with a lot of 
European crime waves. It's not like people are going around like the Beat It music video, like everyone's just got a knife and is kind of constantly like Assassin's Creed, like a multiplayer Assassin's Creed without the crashing. Um, it's it's comparable like any city. Like you're you're in a city and you're gonna have good areas and you're gonna have bad areas and the bad areas will have a little bit more crime, but it's not like everyone is just in a constant state of war. You just have a little more crime than usual. And American cities are also pretty full of crime. Like it's, and we're not comparing it to like Japan or something that's like super safe. Like America is also a pretty violent place. But also depending on where you go. Like parts of San Francisco can be kind of uh, bad. But then like a good chunk of the city is just kind of dirty at worst, really. And even parts aren't at all. So it's, European cities are very similar in that sense. They might be designed differently, but like as far as the culture and as far as violence is concerned and crime, it's very comparable to the U.S. Just some areas bad, some areas not. Yeah, and I'm not saying I'm moving to Europe. I'm just comparing those two. My the world is open, so I have, I think, a turning point in my life coming up right now. I feel like growing up as a man in America, there's a couple of these turning points, right? Nothing really matters before you turn 18. When you turn 18, the biggest decision you have to make is who you're going to take to prom. Maybe you have a couple choices. Then after that, you got to choose your college major and where you're going to go to college. Then after that, you got to choose like where you're going to intern. After that, you choose where to start your career. And I'm at another one of those points in my life. So the way it worked for me specifically, went to high school, decided I want to go to San Francisco State University for broadcasting. All right, that was one big major decision that makes me who I am today. So I did that. And then in 2016, I went to Gamescom. I talked to Tucker Jericho. He was telling me about VR and how sick it was. Uh, for going to Gamescom, my good pal DB sent me an NVIDIA 1080 graphics card that I'm still using to this day because graphics cards are a trillion dollars online. So I decided after I finished being a professional Twitch streamer, I guess that was my one other major decision. When I was in college, I was a professional Twitch streamer up to about 2016, 2017. After that, I decided let's get in the VR industry. And I did that. I worked at a couple of VR arcades for a little bit. Then I got picked up at my previous job live. And that was a major decision at that point. Uh, you guys know I'm now newly single. I talk about it quite often. But uh, there were there have been people I've dated throughout those years. I've been in a couple of long-term relationships. And VR was the last career choice that I made. And so now I'm here. I'm 26. I'm completely single. I... I'm now looking for another job, and this is another one of those turning points. A turning point, you know, back in 2017 was let's get into VR. A turning point back in 2013 was let's get into broadcasting. I am at one of those points now where I've a ton saved up. I can really stop and think about it. And this is where, if you believe in the multiverse, right, there could be voice acting Nikki. There could be acting Nikki. I could get into writing. I could go and move to Europe. I could move to Canada. I could go teach English in Japan. I can go back to school. I am not tied down. I, of course, I have my friends here and I've lived in California my entire life, but I have a good amount of savings. I have a lot of skills and things I'm interested in. I could get back into professional content creation. I could do this podcast, which is one of the reasons we brought back this podcast was in anticipation of this potentially happening. I didn't know until the day it happened, me being let go, but it did happen. And so I brought back this podcast. Maybe we can monetize this. Maybe the Early Access podcast will pick up. And I ultimately don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but it's I realize another major point in my life where I have to figure out who I'm going to be for my 30s, really, because, you know, coming in 27 in four months, yeah, it's pretty much September. 
Uh, my birthday is in January 30th, so like four or five months, something like that. And I have to figure out what I'm going to be doing next. So that's a major decision. I don't exactly know what I'm going to be doing. I've been talking to people about moving to various places. Uh, the somewhere else in the US isn't super appealing to me unless I can take my car there. That's another big advantage of Europe is, or Japan, public transportation. I won't need to buy another car, which is of course a big sink of my savings. And if I don't have to buy a car, I don't have to maintain it. Then I could just take public transport much better for someone in my position. And we'll have to see. We'll have to see what I ultimately end up doing, but uh, I'm definitely going to, like I said, haven't had a break since Kuehler and I went to Japan. So I've been playing a little Pokemon. I got sixth place today, Kuehler, in a 45-person tournament. I needed to win one of my last two games to get first place, and I dropped them both. So I got six out of 45. I'm going to spend a little bit of time trying to play Pokemon at a high level uh, and maybe doing freelance things here or there. But I have plenty of savings, so I'm in no particular rush within the immediate weeks to do something. I, I really do have to sit down and figure out what's going on. But a lot of people reached out to discuss those future options with me, and I really appreciate that. Speaking of vacation, so I didn't talk about this last week, but I went to Colorado sometime, I think that was in July. And I went to see Kitty, who is my best friend. The reason I went to Colorado was my grandparents were here at my place. And my grandpa, unfortunately, has dementia. I don't think he's been diagnosed, but we're pretty sure he does. And I didn't know one of the side effects of dementia is getting violent. And so my grandpa got really mad at me one night and he wanted to start a fight. And so as a 26-year-old man versus an 85-year-old man, I I did not think that fighting my grandpa was a good idea. But he, 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 he put his hands up, dude. He was ready to go. I couldn't defuse the situation. Um, so I was trying to get something in the room he was in. He was staying in the living room, got really mad at me. It was, I think, midnight or 1 a.m. And I had, to, I had to go in there to grab something to prepare for something that I had to do the next day. And he threw a shoe at me in the dark, missed super hard. And that pissed him off. So he's like, yo, square up, bucko. I'm like, grandpa, I... This, this this is a 100 to 0 situation. I, I, you cannot beat me up. So he threw a punch at my cheek. Keeler, if I were to punch you as hard as my grandpa punched me in the cheek while you were sleeping, you would not wake up. I guarantee it. Uh, he put his old fist up to my cheek and kind of pushed. And I didn't want to dodge because we were in the dark. I didn't want him to fall forward and crack his head on the, on the hardwood floor. And so I didn't want to dodge. I didn't want to block. I'm just like, I can take a punch from my grandpa. Let's just let him let it out. So he punches me in the face, notices I don't move. And he kind of like recoils back because all that energy went back into him. So he tries to pick up a dining room chair. This chair probably weighs, I don't know, 15 pounds. It's a big wooden chair. Can't pick it up. He's old. So he picks up a stool, which he can pick up and wants to throw it at me. And we're in the dark in the kitchen. I can't let him throw the stool. He could break the refrigerator knock all the food off the counter, something like that. So I try to wrestle the stool out of his hands, get it successfully, and this pisses him off super badly, but uh, I just walk away with the stool so he can't pick it up and throw it at me as I'm walking out. And that was the last straw. They were living here for a couple months. I could not hold it together, so I went out to work in Colorado for a little bit. And I think I mentioned this on the last show, but everyone in Colorado was incredibly friendly. To me, I uh, met a couple friends out there from the internet. I played some Pokemon. I don't know what it is about me that people start talking to me in public. 
I mean, right now, if you're watching live on Twitch, I'm literally wearing a Magikarp hat. It's a Magikarp hat on my head. It's from the Pokemon Center. It's squeezing the hell out of my forehead. So if you have a gigantic noggin like I do, uh, maybe you just don't have a fat-ass head. But I went to Colorado for a little bit, and that was the last big trip that I took. I might do something else. I was saving to take my ex and me to Japan. Um, but Japan, obviously, is not open. And then that whole thing with uh, me not wanting to date her anymore happens. So I, I'm i probably going to stop and, and take another break, whether I go back to Colorado. or I really liked it out there. I could see myself moving there. It's cheap, but it's not the most booming media industry out there. I feel like Texas, Seattle, somewhere like that is pretty big. I could get into gaming. I could go work at uh, various game studios. I saw Keeler Naughty Dog was hiring for their upcoming standalone multiplayer game. Uh, they said they were going to release The Last of Us Factions with Tilao P2, and they didn't. Thank God. I'm, I'm so sad. I'm still burnt out from Tilao. It has been seven years or something like that since I quit. It's really been that long. It's really been that long. It has genuinely been that long. It has been seven, eight, seven, eight years. I am still burnt out from playing The Last of Us multiplayer. Uh, I was using during the Pokemon tournament that I was just streaming, I was using a picture of a streaming clip of mine that went viral on live stream fails to cover up my hand of cards so people couldn't stream snipe me. And so that made me interested. I was like, oh, let me go on live stream fails. It was titled something like streamer destroys in VR or something like that. And I went back and I watched a bunch of my old clips on this channel. There, there are a ton of T-Lau clips on there. And I, I, I mean, I, first off, I looked so different. That's what I was saying. I was multiple life stages behind. I hadn't even gotten to VR. I was in like my second or third to last long-term relationship at that point. It was so long ago, T-Lau is what I'm saying. And Naughty Dog releases uh, news that they're hiring for an upcoming standalone factions game because it didn't ship with T-Lalp 2 and I just I'm so burnt out I'm so burnt out but not gonna lie I made some good money for the time when I was in college being a professional T-Lalp streamer and Evolve streamer and now with the amount of experience that I have in the industry with having worked with creators for two years at Live and with having you know played games for this long and watched Twitch grow the the cap the amount of money you can make on Twitch is way higher on average and at the at the peak than what it was back when I was a professional Twitch streamer because we didn't have bits. We didn't have gifted subs. We didn't have Twitch rivals. Twitch is a much bigger website than it was back then. Mixer is gone, so that competition's not even here anymore. Twitch is way bigger. The pond is now an ocean versus what it was back when I was a professional streamer. Of course, Pokemon cards isn't super big. I'm not going to pop off doing that, but... I've considered maybe getting back into this. Um, I am still super burnt out, though. I just have a lot more experience from having it, having done it a couple of other times. And I've worked with other people, watched other people grow and have success on TikTok. We actually had a TikTok go mildly viral with Richard in it. Like, I could make TikToks. And I actually enjoy doing that for what it's worth. It's short-form content. I love editing. It's, it's not super like montage high quality stuff a lot of the stuff on tiktok that's still funny is really low quality but i feel like i get into it i'm just saying there's tons of options for me to go forward and i don't know exactly what i'm gonna do oh and last week also i mentioned i had the rona uh 
Except I didn't. I thought my mom caught a fever. She had the Rona. And uh, I didn't actually end up having that. So I canceled a bunch of things last week, meeting with a couple of my friends to talk about other jobs that I need to get back into and meet them because I had a negative COVID test and figure out exactly what it is that I'll be up to. But if we do move to to Europe, me and Kula will be in a similar time zone. We have to move the, uh, the timing of this podcast again. Let's talk about a couple things that I had to cover from last week. So we talked about Twitch hate raids last week tomorrow september 1st is the boycott of twitch so people aren't going to be streaming or watching twitch on september 1st which should be pretty easy for me because i only stream today at all for the early access podcast and to play pokemon cards i think i'm going out rock climbing tomorrow so i probably won't be streaming anyway but september 1st twitch hate raids have gotten absolutely out of control hate raid bots are getting past filters follow only mode verified email uh, you have to have a verified email to type in chat hate raids are all over the place and they're mostly targeting marginalized creators people of color women and they are absolutely getting out of hand with people being ddosed and uh, it's just it's really not cool and twitch is not seemingly publicly doing anything about it they did say that they're working on the back end and they're trying to get some measures in place to actually be able to stop these hate raids from going on but they really haven't done anything significant within the month of August. So a bunch of people are not going to be streaming. I'm interested to see the impact, exactly what happens when hate raids uh, or when they're protesting hate raids on September 1st and how many people actually don't stream and if this is going to hurt Twitch's bottom line. My guess is it's not going to. Twitch already knows about it. They're working on it. I feel like as motivated as they are to do it is is as motivated as they are. Uh, Twitch is owned by Amazon after all, and Amazon does not particularly give a fuck about employee health. We've heard about the despair box at Amazon, which is real. By the way, I have friends who work at Amazon. There's a box where you can go in for 15 minutes and look at a plant to kind of chill out and calm down. Uh, I've so many horror stories from different people I know working at Amazon, whether it be on the line or something a little bit higher and manage positions it is not good twitch is owned by amazon amazon doesn't give a fuck about their employees twitch i feel like is not going to be that much more motivated they're, they're motivated they're doing something according to their tweet but i feel like this boycott not going to motivate them that much more i'd like to be wrong uh i just have very very little faith in them especially especially for like one day for like 24 yeah. hours it's like a, it's a hit they can take right it's, yeah. a, it's owned by amazon they can take a few it's not like a, it's going to be a very small amount of viewers comparatively who aren't going to be here for only like 24 hours and it's not to be cynical it's not to say like oh well i guess there's no hope in any ever fixing this problem but maybe there needs to be something else i'm just not really sure i'm not really sure what you should always move to fix your problem as little as it may be there's no reason you should be like oh yeah Let's let's not work towards a solution. You say, let's say your car is like super broken down, right? And it's a death trap. And if you were to get in even a little bit of a car crash, it would crumble and you know it would kill you in a major car crash. You probably shouldn't be all like, ah, oh, you know, I'll just keep driving it. P take public transportation. Maybe ask your friend for a ride. You know, as you shouldn't just give up because something is bad. Always try to better it. Even if you don't have money for another car, you should try to in some way amend your situation even if it improves it by one percent and i feel like the boycott is improving it by one percent 
like I said earlier, it's not going to impact it that much. What might be more is if like, yeah, if like larger creators, I think, are, it's, I think the big thing is going to happen is like larger names are going to have more private communications with Twitch and they're going to actually like be able to bring this up, which is probably the goal here is to at least get to get their attention. So they, so they listen. As another note, yeah. it is September 1st in my time zone, Central European time. So whoops. Oh, see, that's also one of the problems. And I don't know if the boycott was set from September 1st x time to x time but if you have switch is a global company streamers in australia europe japan america from west coast and east coast because there's four time zones in america you can't get them all off on september 1st in one little bubble uh so that is of course a problem but it, it is to raise awareness you should always be moving to improve your situation even if it's futile even if it's driving safer or taking safer roads or not going on the freeway uh, or driving at times where there's not as much traffic with back with the car analogy if you can improve it by just a little bit you still should instead of just giving up and driving your beater car and you know getting into a horrible accident and just harm, being like fuck it harm reduction yes. harm reduction as they call it yeah exactly so uh, that is going to be happening tomorrow or today in Kuehler's case and I will I would like to say that I am participating and doing it for the good of the people and my fellow people of color and, and to protect women on Twitch, but I'm just not going to be streaming tomorrow because I don't stream full time anymore. Of course, that might change if I decide to do it again, but that was from last week. Also, the day after I recorded the Early Access podcast, OnlyFans went back reverting their position on getting rid of sex work, and they are now going to be allowing sex work again on the platform. So they completely 180'd. They went from sex workers, you're chill. We're not going to get rid of sex work on the platform. Then they went to sex workers, get out. Then they went back to just kidding, guys, you are all fine. The damage to people I know personally, I don't know the exact numbers, has already been done. I know people who have already taken away their sexually explicit content. They were getting rid of things that were uh, actual... So not safe for work is still allowed on OnlyFans, but they're getting rid of people playing with toys and, uh, you know, a little bit more dirty stuff where with two people, I'm sure you can figure out. But not safe for work content, general not safe for work content was still allowed. They've gone back and they are allowing fucking on the platform again because that went so well for Tumblr. And they gained a ton of press for this. I know people who have jumped ship to places like Fanhouse or uh, other websites and I know people who have taken down their content, their sexual content, and have decided to... I know people who have quit altogether. I know some people are staying on the platform because they weren't impacted. Some people only posted topless photos or ass pics, and they're going back and, uh, you know, just continuing business as normal. I know some people just don't have faith in their platform anymore and quit. But uh, this was a massive reversal to the reversal to the reversal of them saying that they they didn't want to support sex work anymore so uh, i think it's a good thing that they went back on their word it in my mind got a ton of attention and they had a ton of people talking about it and that may have applied this is just a theory on my part pressure to the banks they announced we got to scrap actual people fucking on the website there was outrage only fans showed it to the banks and then maybe the banks went around on their word that that's my theory because everyone including me on the internet was talking about it i'd be surprised I, i'm not sure i think the banks could probably take the hit but i don't know i don't know their finances it was ultimately a reminder that like 
the whole support for that kind of user base is extremely fleeting and can like fall apart anytime, which is why I think no one really has confidence in OnlyFans and probably not in many other sites either. But it's kind of a chase, right? Because OnlyFans only really grew around the time that Backpages and I think even like the Craigslist ads kind of fell apart where they were closed from the anti-trafficking law that was passed kind of under similar circumstances that made MasterCard have its own new policies. So it's like they kind of closed down one platform, they went to this other platform, this other platform again kind of went after them. And then it's, it's just always kind of this chase and it's kind of a reminder of that, which is unfortunate. It's pretty decent work yeah we're i'm sure we're both i said last time i'm pro sex work uh we you know this it's way harder than i think those rednecks who are sitting around eating cheetos all day are like yeah fuck sex workers get a real job go work at mcdonald's ho you got it you got to look hot first of all these girls are putting diet and exercise into there they're working out guys too i, I gotta not discount the men out there Making sure they're eating right, taking pictures, getting a constant flow of content out there. Everyone's looking at it. Diversify your portfolio. We saw Mixer go down. We're seeing OnlyFans kind of go down and then not go down. It's a lot of work, and I respect it. It's also generally ethical in some ways. Like, yeah. if we consider there's a lot of work that's, you know, we just talked about like Amazon or something that's kind of building off of people who are having to go into a tiny little room to look at a plant in order to not completely mentally collapse. And in, in that sense, I think if you show your ass on a on a camera and someone enjoys it, it's it's generally okay. Like there's some, I guess, like criticism you can give it in certain like ways that people are exploited for bodies or something. But that's the whole idea is that with a lot of these platforms, it gave them, it gave the actual workers some level of autonomy over what they could do. Like the big part of um, the online platform was it kind of killed off the pimp in some way so that they wouldn't have the, you want to have like one person in control of them which is often how trafficking actually begins it's often like a coercive situation rather than like pulling someone into a van and driving off so it was good to have that it's 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 like one of the old i think it's often considered like one of the oldest careers because mm -hmm. people have always been horny and there's always someone there to provide it i guess so it's it's always been there it's always going to be here and also we're on twitch so i feel like saying get a real job is there's no leg to stand on while being on this platform criticizing another platform i definitely do need to get a real job regardless but twitch you is, do need to get a yeah but. if anyone's the pimp it's twitch the starting base cut for twitch subs is 50 50 i know only fans i don't know if they're paying 80 70 percent but twitch is literally 50 50 of subs at least in america i think in other countries it might even be a worse split than that unless you have a a larger portion of subscribers if you're up there in the hundreds or thousands they'll negotiate for a better cut but 50 50 is super rough when you compare it to other websites like OnlyFans or fan house or i don't even think patreon takes a 50 percent cut of the money people give you it's absolutely insane twitch is twitch is kind of the pimp in that in that way and OnlyFans has the um OnlyFans has the like pay-per-view kind of thing too right yep. yeah you can pay yeah, per view. so like you don't even have to necessarily yeah so you can also like give like specific content to get like a larger chunk of cash up front mm -hmm. which also twitch doesn't really have i guess you have like donations and stuff like that but it's you know it, it's not one thing for content you have to like write your name on a yeah. board or whatever <laughs> some stupid thing like that you have subscriber only streams on twitch and sub only vods it's like I'm, but it's, 
it's I feel not like it just kills your viewership more it's than it's not good for your view yeah it's not good for your viewership yeah. in the first place whereas only fans they pay to get in or you have free only fans and they pay for the extra extra spicy content right you can still consume it's, it's their a good content tiered. it's more it's more patreon like yeah. it's like a tiered system or something like you can get in and if you want more you pay a little more for the extra whereas twitch is more like you watch for free and then you either subscribe and then or you like you watch the streamer beg for donations or bits using some like cheesy little tricks that they'll do on the camera <laughs> like it's a yeah. circus show or something yeah it's definitely it feels a little less uh granted twitch is not less of like a monetization platform for most people but Still, at least OnlyFans definitely had, was like catered to this kind of situation. OnlyFans is, of course, uh, the damage is done. I know some people jumped off. I know some people removed their content. I know some people are still going. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if a new king, queen of not safe for work content on the internet uh, comes up. Because OnlyFans is in first place, or at least they were. And I wonder if Just for Fans, for example, who's in second place, manages to take them over. I saw that there was, I think it was just for fans, although I could be wrong, has this built-in feature to where you can't screenshot if you're watching on your phone, which would make it harder for people to share that content. Ooh, and I see. That's, that's a cool feature. For the creators, they, you know, of course, don't want people sharing the content because then if your friend wants to buy it also, they're just not going to buy it and you send the picture over. It's, you know, it's like sharing a Super Bowl like, or pay-per-view kind of event but they have features is in that place a thing? Is that a thing? Like you, you just go over your you go over your bro's house and you share some only fans pictures that you oh, found people absolutely people 1000 totally percent they totally do that, that okay i, I don't know too much on the world of that is a profession in and of itself i feel like tracking down people like being the only fans lawyer figuring out who's sharing the content and then getting it taken down or sending oh, requests to take it down or getting people in trouble i feel like that's got to be at the the top creators have to be doing that. The people who have the bandwidth the to do it and want probably. to do it are doing it. I feel like it. One thing I do Ask wonder. Me. One thing I do wonder is that, like, oftentimes with a lot of like tech and innovation, is that the new thing, the bright new thing, is usually not just like a slightly edited copy of the old thing. So I think if there is going to be a replacement for OnlyFans, it's probably going to be something kind of structured from the ground up in like a different way. That's right. Like how Twitter and Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, Reddit, they're all structured very differently there's someone could make right. a better twitter that puts the freaking timeline in order and stops sharing horny likes on my feed i mean there is mastodon and, and other things that are like twitter but like have more control over with for the user to do that but again like no one no one uses them because no one really wants to go to something that's like very similar they're more attracted when something really brand new comes in for the record i use tweetin to get my tweets in order and so I don't have to see everyone's horny likes because I'll just be scrolling around in public and uh you know sometimes it'll be like Steve liked this and I'm like oh that <laughs> that's I mean good for you buddy good for you I mean I I sometimes also will like things but that just came out of nowhere so anyway we got Major news the Kuehler brought to my attention, and that I looked into a little bit, but I'm in no way going to be an expert on the subject. China is banning minors from playing video games at certain times. So the gist of this is that China is stopping, I think it's kids 18 or younger, uh, or minors in China. I don't, I don't exactly know what a minor is in China, or 16 or whatever. 
but they don't want them playing video games except between the hours of was it eight and nine killer do you remember on like friday saturday sunday I actually i do not remember actually what the it's something I, like that i haven't that. really looked into this too far let's so. say let's say it's eight to nine p.m friday saturday sunday so they can only play for three hours a week of course this is terrible and, and the first thing people think of is how are they going to enforce this though the government has device monitoring with facial recognition scanning that feeds back to government-controlled storage that the Chinese Communist Party can access at any time, which is the most concerning thing about this story, not limiting video. I'm actually pro-limiting video games. To, to some extent, I, I believe that your parents should be doing it, right? A 12-year-old, your parents should be responsible enough to make sure that you're getting your homework done and actually doing something with your goddamn life. Um, and making sure you're not playing Call of Duty eight hours a day after school like I was. But uh, I'll get back to more on my opinion on limiting video games in a little bit. The most concerning thing is that they have facial recognition to tell about how old you are and can cut you out of games. They are giving you strict curfews, limiting the amount of spending that minors can spend on games, which has a huge implication negatively on gaming companies and their stock prices. I think they're at a 50% stock deficit now uh, after this news came out from relative to earlier in the month. And the Chinese Communist Party is blaming this entire thing, uh, getting rid of gaming, based on a study that showed I don't remember exactly what the medical term for it is, but 50% of their youth or something like that is nearsighted. Basically, they're saying that too much of our population is nearsighted versus, say, like 20% in the U.S. This is caused by too much exposure to screen time. Therefore, we need to limit the amount of gaming people do. Now, there's two things wrong with this. One this might not even be the correct correlation. Of course, you can say something like, Oh yeah, the number of bad things that happens to Nikki, him losing his job and him having his girlfriend cheat on him, is directly correlated to his Cadian war zone. As his Cadian war zone goes up, bad things happen to him. Just because those two things happened, and you can connect them together via Nikki, doesn't mean that that's actually the cause of either of those things. Girlfriend cheated on me because she's a hoe, lost my job because the money's a little bit tight there. The uh, the actual basis that everyone's nearsighted could be something else. Could be diet related. It could it could very well be screen time. It could be genetic. Maybe I don't know very much about the eyes, but that's not necessarily uh, the the correlation. The other reason is I don't think that the Chinese Communist Party actually believes that reason. I think it's just a way to monitor people. Uh, it certainly has to be, and they have these precautions, precautions in place in their video games already and people at Tencent forcing them to comply with this kind of stuff. Tencent's a gigantic gaming company that basically owns a portion of everything. I think they even own a little bit of Discord. So if the Early Access podcast goes down, Keeler and I are using Discord to well, communicate It's, it's like right stock now. holdings at that point. Like if you don't have a majority, yeah. you don't really have that much power, right? Yeah, yeah. They called gaming addiction... Uh, a spiritual opium, which I in some way can agree with. Now, the the mass surveillance. It's a callback to history, right? It's a callback to that history with opium that they've gone. Yeah, yeah, bit of a bit of a humor. I don't agree with them with surveilling everyone. I believe the parents should be eliminating their children. They're not smart enough to 
Of course, little Timmy out there, 10 years old, isn't smart enough to know that he shouldn't be playing Fortnite literally all day or Roblox or whatever. I believe parents should be doing that. Surveillance is bad. But I do agree with them on the gaming is literally, gaming addiction is literally a problem. Keeler, you know as well as I do. As someone, I have literally suffered from gaming addiction playing Pokemon Go. I would go to stupid lengths to play Pokemon Go. Of course, walking was good for me right? It's good exercise. But I would like literally be in a group of friends and then be like, guys, I'll be right back. I'll see you in 10 minutes. I got to run over here in the opposite direction to do this Lugia raid by myself. I did play professionally, of course, on Twitch for three to four years of streaming Evolve professionally, streaming The Last of Us professionally. I enjoyed playing those games and it was my job. And I don't know if that's gaming addiction or me just being addicted to my actual job. And every time you get a sub, you get that dopamine hit of, oh yeah, it's a little bit more money. God, I'm tired after this 12 hour stream, but if I could just stay on for two more hours, I can make X more money because I have 150 viewers right now. I'll get this much more ad revenue and people are donating at this rate. So maybe I'll get X amount more on my next Twitch payout. And so I, I have absolutely been, been gaming addicted before. And there are these TikToks that I watch sometimes. And I know these are likely humor and people aren't actually doing this, but you'll be seeing people playing Genshin Impact in the club or on a roller coaster or something like, gotta do my dailies. And I know those people specifically might be doing it for the TikTok and for the laughs, but that's, that's actually real. I know people who will take time out of whatever... Whatever we're doing, whether we're going out, or maybe they won't even go out in the first place because they have to do their daily. Games are being built these days to be so addicting and to keep you on every single day. They would rather you play one hour over three days than for three hours on one day to bring up their daily active users. So for example, Call of Duty now has the Battle Pass system. Back in Black Ops 1, no Battle Pass. You went from zero prestige, level 55, to level 55... 15th prestige and that was it didn't matter how you got there didn't matter if I played a little bit every day to get there or if I grinded out and I no lifed call of duty for 18 hours a day and I got there really quickly right it was we were just playing the game you eventually got there if that was your goal or you didn't you unlocked things as you pleased because in black ops 1 there's a cash system so if you wanted to buy something when you hit that level you could if you didn't and you you didn't want that gun you just waited, right, until you leveled up a bit more, got more money, and then bought a new gun. The way attachments worked, you just buy the attachments you want right away. The way the gunsmith system works now in Call of Duty is you unlock all the shitty attachments first, and all the ones that are just the best are at the end. In fact, you're objectively better in Call of Duty Warzone and, and Cold War and with the guns, the gunsmith system as you level up a gun, where that wasn't true in Black Ops because you would get your two attachments or even in something like Black Ops 2 where there's a pick 10 system, right? Uh, you couldn't grind to have the best attachments. You could at least still have attachments or if you didn't have attachments, you take an extra grenade or something like that with the pick 10 system, right? So the guns are more grindy in Call of Duty. I'm talking about Call of Duty specifically, but the Battle Pass system is a little bit more relatable to those of you guys who don't play other games. The Battle Pass system is every, I think in Call of Duty, it's two to three months now. And everyone's familiar with this at this point. That's to keep you going every two to three months, keep you engaged with each particular season so you don't go like Black Ops 1 and play nonstop for three months, right? Let's say it takes 
500 hours. I'm just throwing out a random number to get to max prestige. It seems like too much, but 500 hours to get to max prestige in a given Call of Duty, right? They would rather you play 500 hours until the next Call of Duty comes out rather than 500 hours in the first three months, which I don't even know if that math adds up, and and keep their daily active uh, user metrics up. That all being said, they're doing things to make gaming addicting with daily challenges, with the battle pass, to keep you on there literally every day with eight-hour resets. There's, there's no... That's not random. That's not random that you get a new mission every 24 hours or eight hours. There's entire people on development teams that study user retention and this telemetry to keep you on the game. So games are meant to be addicting. And there are people who legitimately give up time with their friends, give up time at work. I knew people who would skip work or skip meetings or take time off to do raids and MMOs, which I, in my opinion are MMOs and mobile games have to be at the top of, of the games that are the most addicting and trying to hook you in and keep you in all day. And it is a real problem. I've seen actual multiple real relationships ruined, whether it be romantic or friends, because people just want to play video games all day. And that's not to say that, oh yeah, they have no friend group, right? Of course, they could be online playing games with their other friends. But uh, at a certain point, isn't healthy to be sitting around 12 hours a day playing an MMO. You should probably be getting some exercise, similar to how it's not healthy to be eating fast food every day. I'm no beacon of health. I know last episode I was talking about working out and making sure that, you know, I'm gaining muscle and losing fat, eating healthy and having energy and, and sleeping right. But I, I'm, I'm no absolute beacon of health and trying to be like, yeah, you should like, you know, take care of yourself and eat raw eggs every day, which is not something I do. But the opposite extreme is something that I feel like we don't acknowledge as much. It's kind of a normal thing. It's normalized for people to do 24-hour subathons, which is not healthy. And I don't even understand how there's a difference, of course, between gaming addiction and streaming addiction and just being self-employed and being a workaholic. But why is that even appealing for people to watch? Who is sitting there watching someone stream for 24 hours? I would rather, if I really liked a streamer, watch them stream for eight hours, go to bed, and then watch them stream for eight more hours. I don't understand why it's appealing to viewers to watch someone go for 24 hours, unless you just want to watch them collapse from exhaustion. And even then, people are sleeping on Twitch now. That used to not be allowed. I guess it is now. Twitch's rules are always changing. Podcasts weren't even allowed on Twitch back when I started. But sleeping on stream is a very normal thing. And, you know, there are some weirdos out there. Cooler, cooler, cooler. We have watched people sleep on Twitch before. Back when it was yes, like... Yes, we have. Yes, we have. Not allowed, actually. We, we we turned on Twitch, found this guy sleeping with 300 viewers. I'm like, I got to check this out. So I, I really can't throw stones here. But watching people sleep on Twitch now is like a normal thing during long subathons. You should be taking a rest. That's not healthy, dude. It's not healthy and admittedly a little weird to watch someone take a nap on Twitch because they have to because they've been streaming for 20 hours. I I just don't I don't get why that's appealing. And there needs to be some kind of line between work, play, and and taking care of yourself. Anyway, back on the gaming addiction thing, China, or back on the China thing, China wanting to limit people on games, I think ultimately that should be up to the parents and the individual. Uh, but I can sympathize with the limiting games. I can't sympathize with the whole government surveillance thing. That's 
really not that cool at all. I, I don't think people should do that. But gaming addiction is absolutely real. And I think people need to be more aware of it. It's just, it's just kind of a, it's kind of something you can let slide. You know, if someone's smoking, even on the street, I know people who smoke and they know smoking is bad, but they still do it and they hate it. And it's unnecessary to go up to someone who's smoking. You know, smoking is bad for you. It might cause lung cancer and you're more likely to die early and all this stuff. They know, right? With gaming addiction, people play 14 hours of games a day and see no problem with that whatsoever when they're not contributing to the Actually, economy a lot of and the, not working. A lot of our smoking like things in the has which has like decreased in the US is largely because of like heavier taxation rules and also like the mass campaigns mm -hmm. to get people to stop. So it's like there was a systemic kind of limiting. It wasn't a whole like we're going to monitor you and, and make sure you don't smoke, but it, there was a well, I, yeah, and in, in some ways there was too because also a lot of like indoor places and a lot of public places started banning smoking also, which is like slowly everyone just kind of started getting kicked out. You couldn't really smoke as much as you wanted to. So, yes, I, I guess I guess to some degree there is like a systemic way to solve some of these issues, although, you know, China takes a very specific route, which is more like in their style, which is, uh, we have uh, disagreements, I think, on that one. But I also yeah. haven't fact-checked this, regrettably, so I'm not actually sure, like, what the details are for this policy and how they'll implement it and, like... What is what is what is uh, sensationalized versus what is not, and what is the reality? I guess like we could just like shit post it. I could just shit post it and be like, you know, China builds giant high speed rail networks and bans video games. Glory, that's the that's the joking one. I'm not saying that it's more healthy to play a game of League of Legends and smoking. Those are debatably both bad for you. I feel like playing League of Legends is bad for your blood pressure, but uh i'm not saying one is totally. let's let's use let's use rocket league because i don't absolutely hate rocket league i'm not saying <laughs> you should substitute playing a game of rocket league for smoking a cigarette but i do think you can play too much rocket league and like you were saying there's a, there's a systemic change in stopping smoking whereas no one's saying don't play 10 hours of rocket league and give up going outside and touching grass gaming addiction hasn't really been covered too much I find that a lot of the anti-gaming campaigns in the past have usually been for like uh, the Jack Thompson type of like it's going to cause school shootings or something, which was obvious bullshit back then. Whereas um, the talk of like addiction is less specific to like video games and more about, especially in the case of, of things like gotcha and, and whatnot, and even like new Call of Duty methods is um, what is usually like companies designing things kind of intended for you to become addicted to them, which definitely is a lot more sinister than just kind of naturally becoming addicted to something. Because you can become addicted to just about anything, right? It's a personality, it's a trait, it's a thing that you can like address with psychology. But it's hard when there's like actual psychology kind of intentionalized to make you addicted to something for the sake of their own monetization. Yeah, you that know the... When you level up in Call of Duty, it makes a sound. Or when you unlock something in a game. Or when you open a loot crate, there's that whole animation. There was so much user research done on giving you the biggest dopamine hit when you get that thing in the game and then making you want to get the next thing. Here's a great Call of Duty example. They release melee weapons like every season because they're just the easiest to make, I feel like. And 
some people just chase those melee weapons. There, some of them have longer reach and some of them have faster swings, admittedly. But there's no reason to chase them, to chase the unlock. Gameplay-wise, in Cold War, there's no reason to chase and try to unlock every melee weapon. But they did some research. They said, hey, this is a low development cost thing to insert these melee weapons in the game. People want to chase them. It'll increase user retention. Oh, the loot box, it needs to make this sound. And there needs to be this like amount of suspense when you, when you open the loot box. And you need to tell people, like when you play Pokemon Unite, for example, on the main menu, when you have an energy capsule or whatever it's called, filled up at the end, it tells you, yo, there's a... The little that little number one or number two, depending on how many you have to open, and it says, "Hey, come open this," and it draws your eye because it's right above the start button. That's not a mistake. The placement of it right over the start game button because they want you to go open, it, get that dopamine hit. Maybe you don't get what you want. Go back, play more games, try again, and try to get what you want. Uh, that's another really predatory thing. With one reason, I won't get into Genshin Impact because it's just a gotcha game. It's just the amount of money you can spend on the game. This is from someone who spent $200 on Pokemon Unite. But it I feel like I spent my money and I'm not going to get into getting cosmetics because as you know, Killer, I don't give a fuck about cosmetics. Of I don't course. care what color my gun is. Neither I don't do care I. if my gun has a charm. Doesn't matter. I care about how much damage it does, which is why I spent $200 on items in Pokemon Unite. Do not regret that purchase, by the way. And that's it. With gotcha games and Genshin... I, you spend money to get the exact waifu you want, and then but the waifus all have different damage, and that game is built off of taking your money for forever. I mean, I feel like that's the same with the Battle Pass, but it's I, I enjoy <laughs> Pokemon cards as comparison because while you do have to buy new cards every three months, and the cards are pretty, and yeah, it's bling out my deck. I don't bling out my deck, first of all. That keeps the price down and lets me play a bunch of other different cards. And I've stopped opening packs. Opening packs is fun, and there is a little bit of a dopamine hit that comes with, oh, the crackle of the wrapper and the suspense of the good cards in the middle. So you got to like look through all the bad cards and, oh, well, what did I get? And there's a packaging reason for that too. But the good card in the middle, then if like the front of the back of the pack gets damaged, then the good card in the middle won't get damaged. But anyway, I, I a lot of games are built on you. You know, let's get to the next battle pass here. Let's open Pokemon cards. Opening Pokemon cards is not a good idea ever. Unless you're a shop owner and you're trying to sell singles and you're getting packs at a really good price on your distributor. That's the only time it's a good reason. Think about it. If I wanted to buy Pokemon cards, which is just another example of loot boxes, they're just real life loot boxes, right? And I think, oh, I'm going to buy this $4 pack from this card shop. I'm going to open the pack and I'm going to try to get more than $4 out of the pack. Sometimes you do. On average, you will not. Because if you did on average at $4 get more than your money out of the pack, the card shop would have just opened all of them. The card shop would have bought all the card packs, and if your expected value out of the card pack is more than $4, and they would sell them at $4, they would just open all the freaking packs and sell what's inside. It doesn't make any sense to open them. Again, it is addicting. It is fun. I love having people watch me open them. And I do still open them, because the code cards in Pokemon card packs are what makes the money back up. Because code cards are worth a lot when a set comes out and I'll get my packs early. So then I'll redeem my code card so I can play online. I test a deck online and then I buy it in real life. And ultimately I'll save a little bit of money that way. So I'm not buying bad cards. And so uh, that that's the reason I do it. But buying singles, right? Real life loot boxes are opening Pokemon card packs, opening those Overwatch crates. That was built to be addicting. And uh, if there's not enough of a, 
I don't know, for lack of a better word, a stigma. Not enough people shitting on people for playing Genshin Impact and World of Warcraft for 12 hours a day. <laughs> Go out and literally touch grass. Please, it's better for you. Although, for, for the record, like, a lot of... Yeah, for the record, like, um, the whole thing about, like, the psychological manipulation of design, it's like, there's... It's not a solid line, I think. It's not, like, a very clear line, because literally all mm -hmm. game design and all design in general is some level of, like, manipulation. Like, Call of Duty's um, sounds when you hit somebody, when you get, like, a hit marker, or when you get a headshot, or when you actually get the kill, are very satisfying. They're not realistic, but they're very satisfying so that you feel that rush when you actually get the kill. It's not meant to, you know get you addicted to the game so that you give them more money it's meant to just at least feel rewarding right because it would be kind of if you made it realistic and you get a shot across the map you wouldn't even hear that hit right it was not as a nice feeling but everything in general is some manipulation from like the color you pick to the shape that it's in and so it's just kind of like where is this line between like they're just making a product that wants to make you feel this way versus they're making something that uh is intended to get you completely addicted we know the extremes but then like where does it meet in the middle yeah i was saying that people socially especially with the pandemic have picked up gaming right gaming can be excused to be social especially if you don't want to get the delta rona and that of course the line like you were saying killer is blurred like when does it stop being social and when is it like you're neglecting your responsibilities you're neglecting your friends you're not gaming with or your job or your own health uh with smoking it's very clear one cigarette bad for you right with gaming is, is it two hours is it six hours is it eight hours so that is uh, one of the hard parts of trying to figure out where the line should be drawn but but it is real and i think we need to acknowledge it a little bit more okay I got to end the Earl Access podcast for the sake of my computer's disk space. Thank you guys for watching. It's been your host, Nick Still Shampoo. Kuehler It's helping me produce the show now on Twitch at 4 Pacific. Twitch.tv slash Still Shampoo. Uh, check us out on Spotify, iTunes. Leave us a rating. Updates at discord.gg slash Still Shampoo. It's been your host, Nikki. Kuehler is here also. Thanks for hanging out, Kuehler. And we'll see you guys all next week, Tuesday.